This podcast episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel that generates leads from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any tech skills or without downloading an app. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Nate. Let's go! In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage, it's never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want Look, if I said it, then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it done Consider it done If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey, Bailey Hey, what's up, everybody? Championship Leadership Podcast, and I'm excited. Today we have Daniel Garza, and I had some time to spend with, uh, with Daniel on his podcast, actually just yesterday, uh, the Put It Together podcast. And uh, Daniel's an entertainer, an HIV advocate, as well as a Reiki, uh, Reiki uh, master. Did I say that right? Reiki master, yes. Reiki, yeah, yeah. So um, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. No, thank you. Uh, it's really cool when uh, you can swap interviews with people. Uh, and uh, you were awesome on the show yesterday. Oh, I can't you. wait for I can't wait for my listeners to to hear your story. So it's really awesome. Yeah, it's in uh, same same for me here today to, to get to flip the script on you a little bit and and take the the host seat and put you in the hot seat. So no, um, it, it doesn't happen <laughs> often. And yeah. Not to boost your ego or anything, but it, not a lot of people get to do it, which is yeah, I love it. I love it. So, all right, let's get started. Championship leadership is the name of the podcast. So, I always ask this question: what What comes to mind for you? What do you think of when you hear championship leadership? What's that mean to you? Championship leadership. Um, okay, for, first of all, to your listeners, I'm I'm overly sarcastic most of the time, so. <laughs> I will clarify when I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. Uh, but the first thing that really comes to me, and I, and I think because we're, we're here to be honest, and, and I think a championship leader is somebody who has gotten their hands dirty, mm -hmm. has, has been through the trenches, came out on the other side, and is willing to show others how to get through it or that it, or that you can get through it uh, and i think it's really the titles 
I think for most of us, I think I'm kind of like, oh no, no, that's not me. But I think uh, in my 48 years and the work that I've done, it definitely resonates now. It's like, especially when folks like you, I mean, I, I, I've looked over your page and, and the conversation we had for somebody like at your level and, and with your experience and, and your life experience to, to seek me out a little bit, mm-hmm. that kind of reinforced like, hey, yeah, I, I deserve to be at the big, at the big folks table now. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. And well, well, you know, when you were, when you're talking about what, what that is to you, I mean, yeah, it kind of resonates with what, what, what I know of you and, and how you came up. So maybe share with the listeners, you know, just, just like, uh, as I'm on your podcast telling you my story, like, yeah, what is, <laughs> what is your story? Or where did you come from? You know, getting your hands dirty, uh, adversity, um, different things happening in your life and how you're con- able to continue to like a championship leader does uh, to, to, to move through that and to get to where you are today. Wow. Okay. I am not going to lie that while I was getting, I was in the shower and getting ready for this, I was nervous. I'm like, I'm not sure where we're going to go with this, <laughs> yeah. but, um, and I'm a talker. So, but I'll, I'll try to make this. So uh, I was born in, Me- I was born in Mexico, uh, 1970. Uh, we moved to Texas when I was three years old. So I'm a Texas baby, actually. Grew up in Dallas. Um, I think my first challenges came up um, when I was molested as a child and that kind of stuck with me for a long time. I was a victim of bullying, which uh, I, the first time that I took charge of my life was I was in Dallas. I was being bullied and molested by the same kids. And I decided that I wasn't going to go to junior high like that. I wasn't going to be a victim. So I decided to go back to Mexico to live with my sister and go to school there. I don't. I, my parents are older now, and I, they've never actually heard the story from me of why I wanted to leave. Yeah. But that was the first time I took charge of, of my life. Um, not that things didn't come back and, and take control. I, I was heavy into drugs and alcohol. I started drinking when I was like 16. I started doing drugs when I was 20. Uh, those were the first years of like really trying to figure out who I was, dealing with a lot of stuff that I didn't deal with as a kid. Uh, a, a lot of hate, a lot of anger. I was never a negative or mean person, but I had a lot of inner anger. And, 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 I, and I, I blamed myself for things that I had no control over. Mm-hmm. I finally sobered up when I was 36. Uh, I was I went to uh, rehab, Bay Area Recovery Center in Dickinson, Texas. So if, if anybody from there is listening, that's where I, I, I to this day say I went in it on June twenty first, two thousand and seven. That's when I sobered up. Um, that's the summer I I I feel I became a man. Mm-hmm. I was thirty six years old, and I was like, okay, now I know because they completely broke me down. They tore me apart. There was my excuses had no shadows to hide in, if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. Like anything I threw out, there was always somebody say, bull, that's, uh-huh. that's, that's, an, that's, a, that's, a, that's a wall you're hiding behind up. Come out from behind the wall. Yeah. And sobered up, I've been clean ever since, so 12 years now going. And um, going back a little bit, and when I was 30, when I was about to turn 30, I was diagnosed with AIDS. I was almost dying. I weighed 110 pounds. Um, wow. The the priest came into my room at the hospital. 
to talk to me. And I remember telling him, like, I was raised Catholic, and I'm like, do you have a note from God saying that I'm dying? And he's like, well, no, it doesn't work like that. I said, well, then when you, when you do get a message from God, come back, otherwise get the F out of my room. <laughs> he never came back. So uh, spoiler alert, I did not die. Yeah, you're so still here. here right? <laughs> uh, but family, from, family that I hadn't seen in a long time came to visit and to say goodbye. But I, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to go yet. Mm-hmm. Um, then 15 years later, uh, on May 5th, 2015, on Cinco de Mayo, that's how Mexican I am, yeah. I, was, I was diagnosed with anal cancer. And it definitely put a spin in my life. I was a couple of years into my relationship with my boyfriend now. And uh, again, spoiler alert, I, I did not die. I, I almost did a couple of times. Yeah. There were a couple yeah. of near misses. Uh, in, on April 1st, April Fool's Day, 2016 is when I had my colostomy surgery. Uh, and now I have a colostomy. And it's permanent. We're not reversing it. There's no way to reverse it without uh-huh. having to go on diapers for the rest of my life. And I'm not ready for diapers yet. Yeah. Um, so here I am. And then um, in between those spots, uh, uh, 4th of July was when I ended my, my treatment. My last day of chemo was uh, 4th of July. So I told people that they, now they throw a parade for me every year. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. The, the theme is always red, white, and blue. <laughs> and um, while I was recouping from cancers, when I became a, a Reiki master, um, I'm still going strong on national campaigns for HIV advocacy. My main goal in that is uh, education for high school, co- college, and university students. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit of who I am. So, well, and talk about the, you know, you, you, entertainer is the first on oh, your uh, yes. list. Of <laughs> we haven't really talked about that. Like, where, how how did that, how does that all come into play in in inside of that story there? Yeah. Um, so. 2005, uh, I'm living in Houston, and I'm working at an HIV uh, service agency. And uh, George Iniguez, who we're still friends, uh, was a, a producer, director, home uh, Houston Media Source, which is a local cable channel and really big in Houston, mm-hmm. came to the agency looking for somebody bilingual to talk about HIV and AIDS and educate him. And it became so overwhelming that he was like, why don't you just come on the show and do it? And my claim to fame on that was I was on cable access with a dildo in my hand and a condom <laughs> showing people how to put on a condom. Oh, and wow. it just blew people's minds that I, that I was doing that. Yeah. So I started, then they brought me in to be a co-host. So my, my career on TV started in Houston Media Source okay. as, a, as a host. Um, did drama in high school like a lot of people. My first commercial was in Houston for Con's Furniture. I was buying a lawnmower. I know, it's very stereotypical. I was buying a lawnmower in the commercial, and some people recognized me. Uh, then I moved to LA and, and I moved along to Laguna Beach. And the idea was to come in and settle down in Laguna and, and just kind of see my old age come to. But then I really got busy acting and um, then the podcast came out in 2012 um, 
And then I just really started doing stand-up comedy a year ago. Yeah. So November 3rd of last year was my first big show. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the HIV advocate, right? So you get, so you are HIV positive and, and, uh, and now like what made you want to be a part of the movement to help educate and, you know, be a leader in that advocacy? Like, yeah, what, what made you want to do that? I could imagine, I can only imagine that it would, it would be tough. You know, number one, you get the news and you're like, probably a lot of uncertainty, not really knowing what it means, figuring that out, getting through all of that. And then being like, Hey, you know, like I want to make a difference here. So yeah. Talk to us about that. I think. Sure. Um, well, I was, I was in Houston. I was, uh, it was the end of September and I just kind of gave it the 26th as the date that I went to the hospital. And I, I was, I was 29. I, I knew, like, in the back of my head, I knew that kind of what was up. Um, but I went to the hospital, and this was showed to who I am. The doctor gives me the news in front of my family, and uh, my two questions were, will my hair grow back because I was losing my hair? <laughs> and I had to be wheelchaired into the hospital, and can I walk out? And the doctor was like, yeah, but like you have AIDS. And I'm like, cause I was diagnosed with AIDS when I was diagnosed. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like there's medication, there's support groups. That's all They're like, yeah, that's great. Will my hair come back? And can I walk out of here? Yeah. And he was like, yeah. And, and I really do credit my, my lack of taking it serious to my survival. Cause I, I didn't, focus on being sick I focused on okay what's coming like let's get to it Um, my family coming from a Latino uh, basically first generation very conservative Catholic family there was no talk about sex there was definitely no talk about sexuality so HIV was everybody's going to get it the whole family's going to be infected Mm -hmm. we're all going to die so I started volunteering at the agency I, I moved to South Texas, down to McAllen, Texas, and I started volunteering and realized that there wasn't that much information for Latinos in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I made it a point to become the person that ordered all the, the, the pamphlets and stuff, and I would bring them home and educate my family because I needed them to know that I wasn't contagious, yeah. I wasn't going to kill them. Mm-hmm. So my my very first advocacy target was my family. Yeah. Get them on board. And once they did, and I realized the potential that, it's gonna sound egotistical, but the, the power that my voice had, because I, I wasn't gonna leave it up to somebody else to educate my family. But what power I had as an HIV positive Latino man to go out there and inform people. And then I started, through the agency, uh, Valley AIDS Council, uh, going out and talking to folks in groups. And I realized how impactful it is when somebody who is going through what you're talking about makes an impact on other people. So like, it would be very, 
it would probably not be received well if I went in and talked to a, I don't know, females about pregnancy and the steps too. They're probably looking at me like, what the hell do you know about that? Yeah, right. Right. But if I go and talk to you about being an HIV Latino man uh, in his 40s in a relationship, one of those factors would connect with you. Mm-hmm. And you and your patients, does that make sense? Yeah. So, so you go back to like thinking about a, a champion leadership. I think it was finding the strength in my voice and how I could make it stronger. And then over the years, I belonged to different organizations, the Ryan White Planning Council in Houston, the Laguna Beach HIV Advisory Committee. Um, now I'm part of Radiant Health Centers. I'm part of the board. Uh, I'm a board member. Um, then I got recruited over to Positively Fearless, which is a national campaign. Y'all can find that online. Um, I'm really proud of that project. Yeah. Um, so over the years, um, it's just evolved. As I've evolved, my story has changed because different components get added. But uh, yeah, and I don't, I mean, HIV is not going anywhere. It's going to stick with me for life. Yeah. So as long as it's there, I'll keep talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I mean, there's a, I'm sure there's a lot that, that don't that are, or aren't willing to. So it's just, uh, it's just awesome that you uh, have that in you to go out and communicate and, and spread the message and educate and, and, and to do that, to be that leader there. So you have a lot of things going on. Like you, <laughs> how do you got like time to do anything for yourself? Uh, I, I make the time. Yeah. Um, it's if you make me cry while we're talking, uh, that's it, Nate fast. Bailey. That's it, Nate Bailey. We're through. Um, we talked a little bit about it yesterday when we talked on my show. Uh, when I was diagnosed in 2000, I was given disability. Yeah. And uh, back then it was lifetime disability because uh, that's how it felt. Um, over the last few years, uh, a lot of people who are HIV positive have been going through a review to see where you are health-wise. Health I was recently taken off of disability. So, yeah. like, okay, you're... Um, it is only in the last couple of months that I've really like taken time to look at how full my life is and how I need to stop and, and just slow down once in a while. Just like, I, for those of you who are listening, if you want to follow me on Facebook, which is I do, where I do most of my stuff, yesterday evening, two of my best friends and I went down to the beach to have gelato and just sit there and, and um, laugh and look at people and, and we took some pictures and... Um, I don't know. I just, I think I, 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 you kind of, so hard to be on this side of the, of the yeah. conversation. Um, I'm learning. I was a workaholic because I thought the label disabled yeah. had an expiration date mm-hmm. and that, that at any point, God, the universe, we're going to be like, dude, we've given you so much chances. Like it's, yeah. it's time, time to cut it, cut it short. Yeah. And 
now that I don't have that label, um, I don't feel the necessity to run from meeting to meeting or appointment to appointment. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wake up about 30 minutes earlier than I have to sometimes just so I can sit up in bed and, and watch and listen to the news and play on my phone for a little bit and, and not feel rushed. Um, I take time for these conversations. Yeah. Um, I, I drive a lot here in LA, you drive a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I listen to music and just have my own little concerts in the car. Um, and probably, after, oh, and after we're done here, uh, uh, another really good friend of mine is coming over to just chat. Yeah. Uh, I believe a lot in, in male bonding. That's yeah. my, that, that's my, whew, mm -hmm. time. did I answer your question? I yeah, like absolutely. I on that one. absolutely. And, you know, I mean, well, you're in Laguna, you better be spending some time on the beach. That's like, <laughs> that's like, it's a little, it's a paradise uh, yes. in the U.S., like. Man, that's, that place is amazing. So, um, what talk about comedy and like how how is that? You, you're you're new into that. I, I could see it as you know, like I, I said yesterday, I've always thought about um, doing this, and so maybe I'm going to have to stop thinking about it and actually go go do it one of these days. But uh, I love that you are doing it, and it sounds like you're having some good success with it and enjoying it. Like, what are some of the biggest things that you enjoy through the comedy? Like, you know. Uh, making other people laugh, right? Uplifting others. I'm sure there's some some great benefits for you as well. And um, you know, is it is it like uh, what drives you to do comedy and to take the stage and be vulnerable in front of a bunch of people? Well, I'm one of those. I'm I'm that friend in the group that always has a a wise ass comment. <laughs> yeah, like I I I, I really get ugh, like does everything have to be so freaking serious? Yeah. Like there's always, there's always room for a fart joke in there somewhere. Yeah. So for the longest time, I always thought about doing stand-up and I've been, a, I've been a fan of comedy since I was a kid. One of my first influences was Benny Hill. I, I used to watch Benny Hill yeah. Yeah. Uh, at, at night and, and a little bit of history back in Dallas, uh, the local channel, no, PBS used to show them Unedited, okay. Uh, at at midnight, so I would stay up and watch Benny Hill at midnight. Yeah. So for those of you listening, if you know who Benny Hill is, now you can understand me a little better. Yeah. Uh, fast forward, um, been doing public speaking for a long time. Um, always throwing a joke, but I wanted to be better prepared. I, I have a big, um, I have some big events coming up, and I wanted to be better prepared to say to tell a joke while I was on stage while giving out important information. Uh -huh. For those of you that don't know, people grasp information much better when they're having a good time than when yeah. it's depressing. So if I'm going to talk to you about cancer, AIDS, yeah. and potentially dying, what better than to make it funny? You know? yeah, right. Um, yeah, makes total sense. Yeah. So uh, I'm a, a union actor, I'm part of a SAG, and they had a workshop and the, these guys from Cool Beans Comedy came in and did a workshop. I did a joke on anal cancer. And uh, the, I think I told you the joke yesterday. So I, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, basically the end of that joke is like, uh, when I got anal cancer, 
I, I managed to fulfill one of my childhood dreams. I finally realized what it's like to be a Muppet. And <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not everybody got it, which was yeah. cool. Yeah. But one of the in instructors, Matt Moore, came and tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, you're funny. And he gave me the cards, like, you need to come and take a class. So I was like, OK. Again, the intention was just take the class so that I can be funny in presentations. Yeah, right. Got invited to do an alumni show, did pretty well. Got invited to come back, did pretty well. Um, got invited to be part of uh, Rebels of Comedy here in LA, did pretty well. Uh, then did a second show and the uh, TK, who uh, is from Texas also, uh, hadn't seen me perform until the second show and he was like you're funny it's like why don't you come to the back to the ice house now the important of this is that i took my classes at ice house okay with, with the cool beans comedy group yeah. they've since moved to their own location okay but now now i'm being asked to come back to that same spot a year later that's to cool. perform wow. and um one of the best things about comedy has been first of all it's very therapeutic because you get to make fun of your life uh, and people laugh with you uh, you get to share a little bit of your story no matter how tragic it is there's always a way to turn it around and make it funny which in turn gives you a, another glimpse of your life and going I'm not it's not that serious. Life, <laughs> yeah. is, life is not that serious. Like if, if you, if, if it's, the only thing that comes to mind is like, have you ever seen salmon going upstream and trying to get upstream? Like, yeah, it's a challenge, but just enjoy the, <laughs> enjoy the, the water. Go downstream every once in a while. Stop fighting so hard. And usually things will work out themselves. Um, and I think we talked about it a little bit yesterday from, from your story. It's like, we, we try so hard to be so strong and yeah, I'm a man. Ugh. And, and comedy has given me a chance to just be stupid and, yeah. and let other people in, I let them look into my stupidity, which allows them to look at their own. And maybe just maybe they'll go home and realize that life is not that tough. You just have to enjoy it. Yeah, I think one of the great, you know, one of the greatest things about comedians, it's kind of a pass to al almost say whatever you want, right? Like, as long as you can, uh, like, frame it up the right way, right? And and I think from an audience perspective, it's always, a, it's like, the comedi comedians are saying the thing, all the things that they've, they've probably thought themselves, but never had the courage or platform to be able to say. And so it's, that's why it's so funny. It's like, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not the only one that like has had those thoughts or, or gone there. And, and a lot of the stuff is really just quite funny. And, and a lot of times we just take ourselves way too seriously, which I think, you know, again, we, when you're looking at being a leader, business owner in the community, in relationships, like uh, as an advocate for HIV across the country, like, like you said, levity and laughter and, uh, only helps to maybe spread that message and allow people to hear it so that they can actually take it and yeah. uh, put it into play in their life. Yeah. Um, 
I made a, I was on stage last week and I, I made a joke. My Christian, my, my partner, uh, wasn't feeling well. He was a little, he was a little sick the, the morning before the show. And I made a joke about, he, I, I'm not a, I'm not a snuggler. I, I'm not, I don't cuddle. I'm like, ugh, be a man, <laughs> yeah. handle it. Put some Vaseline on that. Put some Vicks on that. That'll take care of itself. <laughs> and, uh, he wasn't feeling one. He was like, could you just hold me for a little bit? And I was like, okay, fine. So I put the phone <laughs> down and, and we're laying in bed and he's, and I'm snuggling with him. And I made a joke about like, where did my, where would I put my hand? Like, do I pat his back? Do I make him feel better? Do I pat his butt? And I ended up, I ended up patting him on the head and going, that's a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I looked at him, I go, you realize I'm going to talk about this on yeah. the show tonight. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, of course you are. Yeah. And oddly enough, after the shows, uh, some straight guys came up to me and they were like, dude, like so many times I've, I've done that with my girlfriend. It's like, yeah, right. uh, like, like I'm playing a video <laughs> game. Do you want to snuggle now? Like, really? Yeah, right. um, but going back to the topic of the show, uh, championship leaders or championship leadership, um, I feel like I, I said this to myself when, when I was when when I came out when I came I was seventeen when I was when I came out and I promised myself that I was never going to be embarrassed or hide my sexuality because it, it didn't interfere with my capabilities of doing anything important in life. Mm-hmm. When I was diagnosed with AIDS, it's like I'm not going to hide this. It's part of who I am. Live it. Uh, when I sobered up, I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, keep it anonymous." Like I'm proud of being clean and sober for 12 years. It's, it takes a lot of work, especially when you live in Hollywood and hang out with people in Hollywood. Like ah, you know, there's always drinks, there's always somebody with drugs, and like you just gotta keep it to yourself. Like cool. Um, anal cancer. Like I know as men, we we don't want to talk about it, but it's 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 prevalent. Uh, colorectal cancers are there, and if you don't check yourself, um, you you'll end up with problems, which is what happened to me. Yeah. Um, and then having an ostomy, people don't notice it. And, and I'm kind of happy because I don't want it. I don't want my presentation card to be a hole in my belly when I show yeah. up to, to me. But then you put all those things together. Wow, you put all those things together. Man, I'm Superman. But um, I've always felt a responsibility to myself to show some other guy, and, and, and I, I usually refer to Latinos, but across the board, I want with my, I know it sounds very like, like who are you? But if, if, if the things that I've been through in my life can help somebody else get through them and realize that going back to labels, that the only label that really matters is the one you put on yourself, then damn it, what a, what a fucking good life. Like, I, uh, I got an email from a gentleman from London uh, earlier this week who was getting tested for HIV and in the waiting room was an article that uh, was written about me about a year ago, maybe a little longer. He read that and read my story and he was like, 
if Daniel Garza can go through all this, I can get tested. Wow. This is this is not the worst thing. And and he he wrote me and we've been chatting, chatting back and forth. And I was like, oh man, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And then I got an email from another gentleman who's an author, and he's writing a uh, he he writes gay romance and he's writing a character who's HIV positive, who's dating somebody who's negative and how the challenges are. And he saw me in some article and said, oh, wow. and wrote me and said, hey, can I bounce some ideas off of you to make sure that I, I give this character an, an accurate life? And I'm like, by all means. Yeah. Um, I, I've gotten emails from young gay kids who are Latino and, and a conservative family and don't know how to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, people with ostomies now, uh, I'm starting to, because I've only had my ostomy for three years, I'm starting to grow in that field too. And then people are yeah. like, hey, how do you deal with it with a partner? I started my own Facebook page called uh, Ostomen. So it's a page for men with ostomies because okay. we have we have our own things to deal with. I don't oh, know if they, I'm, I'm probably rambling by now, but... No, it's um, great. I just think that... And you and I chatted about this yesterday. There, there are... Yes, there have been a lot of things in my life that have been challenging and still are. And there's been a lot of walls to jump over. Uh, I guess coming back, coming from your background, it's like a life boot camp. I'm going through life boot camp right now. It yeah. still am. There's always something yeah. to jump over, climb through, uh, crawl under. But if I can make it, and I know everybody says that. If I can make it, anybody can. Um, but if you're sitting there listening to this podcast and you're wondering, could I ever be a leader? Could I be a championship leader? Could I? Yeah, man. Just yeah, absolutely. Look at your life and find the stuff that was really crappy and how you came over it. Share that. And you right. realize that people are willing to listen to your story. And, uh, I think that I'm hoping that's one of the reasons that I'm on your show is that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, you, you do, you have an incredible story and uh, it's amazing to see when you do own that, like you have, like you said, like you mentioned just not that long ago about just owning it, like living it. It, it is who you are. You're not going to hide from it. Um, and there's a lot of power in that because it inspires others to be able to do the same thing. So as I, uh, I want to wrap this up and just ask like what would be one or two things that you that you can leave with the listeners um to help them move forward in their life oh man one or two things um okay number one we are way stronger and way more resilient than we give ourselves credit for we i I learned very early on in my life that when I'm put up against the wall, the first thing I do is find the door to get through it. Hmm. I I don't have to figure out how to jump over it, how to break it down, how to dissect it. There has to be a door that I can get through it and make make it just a little bit simpler and and learn the lesson. So before before you make your life decisions. We have a lot of bougie problems. We have a lot of first world problems. Yep. So before you worry that Starbucks didn't get your order right, 
<laughs> take a step back and realize that that is not the that, that stop. Yeah. Stop. Like, and the the but the problems that really come to life, health problems, money problems, relationship problems, all those things. You are stronger than the problem, and you will get through it. I I can't promise you, but I guarantee you that if you just stop for a minute and and, and st stop panicking, you will find the door and you will you will get through that wall. I, I guarantee you. Second, um, our minds are so powerful, and I come back to labels that the label that you choose can make or break who you are to become. Yeah. Um, I chose the disability label for 19 years and I, I saw through the window what my success looked like, but I was never allowed in there by me. I never mm -hmm. allowed myself to get in there. And as soon as that label was taken off, it was like, wait a minute. I have all this potential and I never realized it. Yeah. Damn. And my mind, it's, of course, this has only been a couple of months since disability ended. So I'm, I'm kind of getting back into it. And it's like, look at all the opportunities that were there. But yeah. because I, because I believed somebody else and didn't have faith in me, I never, I never even tried to get in through the window, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, so number one, find the door in the wall, and number two, create your own labels to get you to where you want to go in life. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. What um, what are a few ways that our listeners can find out more about you and what you're up to and what's what's going on and follow you? Sure. Um, I'm usually on America's Most Wanted. No, just any bathroom wall, you'll find my number. Um, <laughs> usually because I put it there. Uh, no, yeah, uh, Facebook. I, I'm big on, on Facebook. That's where most yeah. of my stuff is. Uh, Daniel G. Garza, uh, yeah. look me up. Uh, on Twitter, uh, I'm under also Daniel G. Garza. Uh, Instagram, I am Daniel G. Garza. You, you can follow the trend there. Um, <laughs> and then if you want to follow some of my comedy and some of the uh, – uh, in, uh, interviews that I do and some of the shows that I do, uh, you can go to YouTube. Daniel G. Garza. Spoiler <laughs> <laughs> alert. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your day to do this. And um, thank you so much. It's been awesome connecting and uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. But yeah, just thanks for taking some time to be on the Championship Leadership Podcast. Appreciate it. No, thank you. I hope uh, I hope I didn't ramble too much, and uh, thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, absolutely, it was great. Let's go. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, "Nature going home." I missed my life, missed my wife. For Fifteen months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feel 
living titled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right, I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see him focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. If I said it, then I meant it, I probably already did it. Consider it done. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this. Championship Leadership Podcast.